Welcome. This is Jazz, Just the Way We Like It. My name is Alfonso Severos, and this is my weekly jazz podcast, recorded live at Brick Arts in downtown Brooklyn, the People's Republic of Brooklyn. We play those classic jazz songs of the 1950s, the 1960s, and the 1970s. We also discuss politics and social issues. We play songs I listened to as a young man and grew up on. And here I am now playing them for your pleasure. And also to introduce to a younger generation that fabulous art form known as jazz, that original American art form. I'm in the studio, as always, with my good friend, for well over 60 years, 65 plus years, Lawrence Williams. Hey, Larry, how you doing, good brother? Okay, how are you? I'm good, I'm good, man. Another podcast, brother. Hey, I'm looking forward to this one, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, It's going to be a good one, man. You know, folks, we always start the podcast off with a song, a poem, uh, something that addresses social issues and social justice. Well, we're going to go back in time to uh, a piece done by Peter Tosh. You may know him because, you know, he was uh, one of the original uh, founders of the Whalers. You know, Bob Marley and the Whalers. Uh, him and Bob Marley had a falling out. But in 1977, he did a song. He does some great stuff, by the way, uh, called Equal Rights and Justice. Uh, so let's give a listen to Peter Tosh as our song of social justice, Equal Rights. Sit back and enjoy. Justice. 
Peter Tosh, Equal Rights, recorded in 1977. You know, in the 80s and the 90s, people were talking about no justice, no peace. Those, those lit, that combination really comes from this song, uh, Peter Tosh. Larry, how'd you like Peter Tosh? Yeah, Peter Tosh is great, man. Um, it's, it's just that, that uh, Jamaican type of beat that- uh, Reggae? That reggae. Um, I love it. I love. I mean, I, I mean, it just sways you. It's just like, you know, you just get yeah. in a groove with it. Yeah. Um, and then the words that comes out of, you know, comes out of his mouth as well as um, Bob Marley. Yeah. Was always about uh, yeah. human rights. Well, um, him and Bob Marley had a big uh, falling out. In fact, Peter Tosh did not go to Bob Marley's funeral. Oh, now, wow. And they both was, you know, some of the original <coughs> uh, founders of the Whalers, the group. Yeah, yeah the group, the uh, Whalers, yeah. With and his wife as well. But <laughs> yeah. uh, with uh, Bob's wife. Bob Marley's wife was one of the Whalers um, as well. And and, <coughs> and the, the falling out was over the fact that Peter Tosh thought that Bob Marley's songs were, were, were not progressive enough, not dealing with enough of social issues. Really? Yeah. So, you know, if you listen to Peter Tosh's music, man, he's always talking about you know, justice, peace, social issues, uh, where Bob Marley, you know, it varies greatly. So he 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 thought Bob Marley wasn't radical enough for he for wasn't addressing social issues. Okay, okay. In his music, and so that was the you know one of the reasons for the big fallout between those two. Well, I mean, that could be a, a, a justifiable re- reason if if you feel that strongly about, you know, you. You know your music and how it how it affects people. I guess. Yeah. Well. I mean, it's a reason. It's a reason. You yeah, know, these it, things it, happen. You know, it, it is what it is. Yeah. But those two, you know, completely broke ties. Didn't know that. And I, they I, were like, you know, the original guys. One of the two part of the two original founders of the group. But they were able to, you know, uh, have a musical career. Uh, as individuals as well. Yeah, but Peter Tosh never got the fame of uh, Bob Marley. Oh, no, no. Yeah, never no. reached his height. Probably, but, but probably like within Jamaica, he probably... Uh, was, he was very was, popular was, in very, Jamaica. Very popular in Jamaica. Yeah, but very popular in reggae he music. He just didn't get uh, yeah, the worldwide. Especially uh, the themes and the songs that he sing about. How, yeah. You know, the issues of social justice. Well, you know, with Bob Marley's... Some of his most popular songs were on things like Universal Love. Oh, okay. And, you know, themes like that. All right, folks. Uh, that's our song for social justice. That's Peter Tosh in the 1977 song, um, Equal Rights, Equal Rights. You know, uh, this past week, President Biden uh did something that no president in modern times have done before. He joined the picket line at the UAW, United Auto Workers. Picket line strike against three of the major um, car companies. Uh, Larry, did you see that? Yeah, I, I, got, I saw that yesterday, and I was like, wow, that's surprising. But I think about uh, Joe Biden. Um, he's a, uh, you know, he comes from a blue, uh, blue collar background, I believe, and maybe a union background. And, um, I think he, I mean, I don't know if it, it was necessary, um, 
if he did it in order to spike his campaign. But uh, I think, you know, he took a chance by doing that, I think, um, because not everybody <clears throat> in this country are for unions the way that uh, they should be. I, I was curious as to, I was looking at the, one of the things that, that struck me. Originally, they asked for a 40% increase. And I was curious as to when was the last time that they had a pay raise. Well, it's not. It's now. This is the interesting fact okay. about the UAW. Okay. Now, um, they only they only are striking twelve percent of their workers. Yeah, yeah. So it's I, only eighteen thousand three hundred. Yeah, because I originally it was just uh, one uh, for one uh, factory of each one yeah, of the three it's just, major. It's men. still just that okay. they haven't had a across the board strike because that'll be close to one hundred fifty thousand people going out. Yeah. Uh, you got to go back to Obama. Now, you got to remember, when Obama was in office, your three major car companies was about to go under. Correct. All right? Yeah. Congress, two things bailed them out. Congress gave them a $80 billion investment. You know, nice little form of socialism, by the way. Yeah. Uh, and then the unions took massive cuts. All right? They, they created a, a two-tier system in which new people were not, no retirement, no health insurance after retirement, starting at minimum wage. They gave up uh, uh, cost of living increases. So the union bailed them out. And the agreement was, is when the companies got back on their feet, they will make things right with the workers. All right? Okay. Well, they got back on their feet, Larry. You talk about, uh, you know, uh, profits has increased by 92% for your auto companies, your major auto companies. CEO has got a 40% increase. They offer nothing to the workers. Right. You know, all the stuff that they gave the givebacks with the understanding that those givebacks will return to the workers, they right. did not. Right, right. So now they're looking to push for that 40-hour uh, week, 30-hour week, 32-hour week. They're looking for, you know, higher wages because they used to be good jobs. It used to be one of the best jobs in America. Yeah, but now a starting oil worker starts out at $17 an hour. A, almost a little over minimum wage. Yeah. Uh, for that for that state for those yeah. states. Yeah. Uh, that's not the case, because they gave all this to get the comp the companies back on their feet. Right. Right. And now the companies, even though they have record profit, right, financially stable, uh, don't want to bargain in good faith. So that's that's, that's, that's the bulk. Uh, but of that's it. American capitalism. That, I mean, that's capitalism at at. At his worst, I guess, to put it mildly, uh, uh, to honor a, a pledge that that happened a little while ago. It's, it's just, I'm just not, I'm, just, I'm not surprised by it. I mean, it's just yeah. typical. It's yeah. just typical. It's not I know. atypical. I know. It's typical. But uh, uh, UAW is not playing. They will go out. Yeah, they will I'm, call all their workers out. That's yeah. one of the, you know, one of the big unions, and uh, they.
They have a lot of political pull. They are so popular that, that not only did Biden come, the next day Trump went out to an unofficial yeah. uh, a rally. It was much smaller than the Biden uh, rally. But but Trump also made a, a lie to them about what he was going to do. And, and he can't do something that he couldn't do. <clears throat> what was that? Oh, he was going to he was going to make sure that uh, that demands were met. No. Oh. Yeah. Well, Trump, we you know pretty good on the lying part. Yeah. Uh, so that's a big one to watch, folks. What happens with the UAW? Because you have the United Auto Workers on strike. Uh, there were a few other big places that's going out. Uh, that are going out or, or that are out that, right that now? Out. Well, we ju- they just settled with the... Uh, the writers. They the just writers yeah. deal. Yeah, but they haven't settled with the actors yet. Yeah. I so know. that's that's pretty big, too. Yeah. I mean, that has an effect on, on our... Uh, entertainment, I mean, brother. Yeah, entertainment, which is, uh, helps helps our, our, mental, our state of mental health. I think. In so many ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. So, I mean, it supports so many industries, the entertainment. Yes, it does. Because it does. people advertise through that. Companies advertise through that. Uh, yeah, well, you know, hey, uh, we have to come up with a better formula to, to guarantee that, that people are able to meet the cost of living. That is, that is a key If point. you work full-time in a city, you should be able to afford to live in that city. That's sure. my that's my bottom line. Yeah. You know, they was they was talking about there were studies done in New York City of the homeless population. Yeah. And somewhere between thirty to forty percent of the homeless people who are living in shelters work full time. Yeah. I, I came across that when I worked when I was at Oh yeah, uh, you probably saw it. Yeah, uh, Holy Pasta Soup Kitchen. Yeah. Some of the guys were in the shelter system because they couldn't afford a place to live. Exactly. Yeah. Now this, that's, wow. And they were working. Those were guys yeah, that were working. Yeah, yeah. New definition of the, homelessness, man. Or they had uh, 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 benefits, uh, Social Security benefits or whatever it was, but it wasn't enough, enough for them. in this city. So they had to they had to live in the shelter, which yeah. put them at risk. When you get over 60-something oh, years old. Oh, buddy, the elderly. You, you, are, you are a target. You are definitely a target. Yeah. You know, so you, you know, know that's why landlords want to get people that when they reach a certain age want to get them out. Yeah, yeah. They can increase the rent, renovate, and increase, especially yeah. if they're in rent-controlled apartments. Yeah, and most of the apartments in New York City are in rent-controlled yeah. apartments. You know, uh, or rent-stabilized apartments. Right, stabilized. Yeah. yeah. If you have a rent-controlled apartment in New York City, you're a lucky sucker. Oh my God! Oh my God! Yeah. Are you lucky? Yeah. Oh my God! I know somebody who. Had an apartment, and they were paying like three hundred, four hundred, four hundred. But I knew somebody who was paying a hundred dollars. Yeah. Oh yeah. But they passed away. But oh my God. Yeah. It was. Yeah, and and yeah. it's a hassle to uh, uh, to pass those apartments down, but you can pass you them can down. Pass them. You can. If pass you have them. people living there, and you can show them, and document that yeah, they that's gotta, there, but they have to live there. Yeah. I've I've seen that I've seen that done also because I live I live in Hell's Kitchen. Oh, okay. So you know, you know, the families do that. You know. Yeah. So, so it yeah. was really good. I mean, you get apartment in certain areas, man. You know, I'm sorry I gave up my apartment on the West Side. Yeah. I should have kept that damn thing across the street from Central Park. That's a beautiful place. Yeah. Yeah. 
But believe it or not, I had a tremendous mice problem. That's possible. From the park. Oh, from the park. Yeah. Oh wow! They just like you know. They just kept running all. Uh, they they, they saturated the, the building. Oh oh wow! So you yeah. couldn't find the holes where they're coming in at. Yeah. That's the whole thing with them. If you can find the holes where they're coming in, then at, you can you know you can you can eliminate up, eliminate yeah. that problem. All right, man. Uh, let's get to some jazz, man, Larry. Uh, today's uh, podcast is on classic jazz performances at Monterey. You know, you know, the Monterey Jazz Festival. Monterey, folks, the Monterey Jazz Festival. Well, the Monterey Festival, fabulous. They have the Monterey Jazz Festival and the Monterey Pop Festival. And there has been some fabulous jazz performances and some fabulous pop performances. You know, people won't forget when, when uh, 1968, when uh, Jimi Hendrix tore up the stage along with Janis Joplin, uh, fabulous performances. But we're going to look at some classic jazz performances at Monterey Pop. And we're going to start out with an old one, man, 1963, Miles Davis. In 1963, at the Monterey Jazz Festival. And this is, you know, Miles' famous hit was in 1959 when he did it. The uh, uh, what is it? Blue, uh, um, kind of blue. Yeah, kind of blue. Yes. And it had that number one song, "So What," on it. Yep. Well, the, by '63, Miles started a whole new group, and he had a, a new group, and this young guy on piano called Herbie Hancock, and he had a drummer who was 18 years old, Tony Williams. So nobody knew what to expect. And Miles was, you know, Miles was Miles. So <laughs> no telling what Miles was going to do. Right, exactly. So he came into Monterey, and people were just learning to adjust to kind of blue because that was a new type of jazz, modern jazz. Miles flipped the script on him. So listen to Miles Davis Quintet, 1963, in Monterey Jazz Festival, uh, classic song, So What? You can see the different hear the difference.
Oh, <laughs> 
Miles Davis Quintet live at Monterey in 1963 with Miles Davis on uh, trumpet. George Coleman on tenor sax. Herbie Hancock <clears throat> on piano. Ron Carter on bass. And Tony Williams on the drums. That's the only recording that he did with this set of musicians. Uh, right after this, George Coleman left the group and the group changed. But uh, <laughs> it's so different from the original So What. But the amazing thing is Tony Williams. Imagine being 18 years old on the largest jazz stage in the country and possibly the world and you're only 18 playing with one of the best known jazz groups in the world. That must have been absolutely amazing. He held his own. How you like that piece, Larry? Yeah, that was very good. That was very, very, very good. And, and, and you know, like, uh, like you said, it's much different than the uh, uh, So What uh, piece that's on, um, on, on his other... Uh, kind of Blue. Kind of Blue. Uh, but, man, uh, the musicians that were on there, they were really playing. I was saying, like, they must have been tired after that set because of that, the speed at which they were, uh, yeah. the notes were coming out, the faster. bass player. It was like, you know, it was really fast. The drummer, the bass, piano, you know, even uh, Miles and, and, and George Coleman, it was all a lot of notes that were were uh, were played. Um, and I thought, I said, my God, they must have been really exhausted after yeah. that set. Well, you had young musicians. You had yeah, young Herbie yeah. Hancock. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, that's true, too. So it may not have been as as bad as what I'm I'm thinking. But well, it was, was really, really a great piece. I liked yeah. it. I really liked uh, it. You know, when, when he played that, people didn't know what to expect from Miles uh, in, in 63 at Monterey. Yeah. And they, they were kind of shocked because only four years earlier he did the famous, you know, So What on Kind of Blue. Yeah. And here he came, you know, with a different version. But that's Miles, you know. That, that is definitely Miles. Miles yeah. is, is you, you can't put him in one box no. and, and expect for him to stay there. That will never ha- That yeah. would have never happened. Yeah, folks, we're, we're listening to classic performances at the uh, Monterey Jazz Festival. We just listened to uh, the 1963 Miles Davis Quintet, and we're going to jump to 1965 to John Handy, If We Only Knew. Uh, and this is a classic, folks. Sit back and enjoy. Thank you. 
John Handy, live at Monterey Jazz Festival, <clears throat> 1965. If only we knew, with John Handy on alto sax, Michael White on violin, Jerry Hand on guitar, Don Thompson on the bass, and Terry Clark, Clark on the drums. Pure magic, Larry, pure magic. I agree, Al, that was so, oh man, that was beautiful, man. Beautiful. It was a, a newspaper article after this uh, festival, and and the day the next day, and it says at Monterey, before an arena packed with seven thousand people sitting in the blazing sun, John Handy turned the band loose and broke it up. Yeah. They played two numbers, the performance in this album, and they went on to be the hit of the festival. People gave Handy a standing ovation and talked about what they have heard for weeks. They're still talking about it. Yes, indeed. I can hear it. I can hear it. (laughs) I can hear why they're talking about it, because it's really a great piece, man. He opened it up with an over six-minute solo. Yeah, yeah. Wow, I didn't realize it was that long. Wow. Yeah. The piece was uh, over 26 minutes. Yeah. So, folks, that was John Handy, man. And we're looking at some classic performances at the Monterey Jazz Festival. That was in 1965. And if you thought that was fabulous, the next year in 1966, we've seen Charles Lloyd came in and he did this piece called Forest Flower, <laughs> Sunrise, Sunset. This is, this is whole nother level, folks. Oh, man. This whole nother level. Sit back and enjoy John, um, Charles Lloyd at the Monterey Jazz Festival in 1966. <laughs>
when the world gave them. Man, I knew that was in there. I don't know how I lost that piece in there, Larry. Oh man, that's not good. Huh? Wow. <laughs> yeah, man, that you know, uh, I don't know how that snuck up on me, man. I thought I I listened to it and I I didn't hear that when uh when you heard it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sometimes that happens. Yeah, well, let's, let's pick it up, folks. Sorry yeah. about that little.
Wow, pure magic. That's Charles Lloyd, 1966, with the Monterey Jazz Festival on a piece called Forest Flowers, Sunrise, Sunset, with Charles Lloyd on tennis sax, Keith Jarrett on piano. And by the way, folks, when he recorded this, he was only 19 years old. Uh, Cecil McBee on bass and Jack Dejanet on the drums. That's a master composition of progressive jazz by some fabulous young musicians in 1966 at the Monterey Jazz Festival. Larry, how that you must like have that? turned. They must have turned that thing. They must have turned the festival out. That oh, must they have did. been the best one on. Oh, they that, did that that night or whenever whenever they played it. That is a classic. Yes, it is, man. You know, for many many years. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It is a. Uh, uh, classic, man. Larry, I hope you enjoyed being here, man. Yeah, this was great, man. Like, Monterey was like, I, you know, I think of Newport, and, and Monterey is another jazz festival that, that's really, that's really uh, you know, really something that you really want to be at, you know. I yeah. Just think, you know, because he has some great music that was done there. Um, oh, yeah. So it's always good to hear something from Monterey. Uh, if you're listening, folks, we're playing um, Sonny Rollins, 1994, Gray Hair, Gray Bed, Monterey Jazz Festival, and his version of the Tennessee Wall. So we're going to go out on this, and I'd like you to thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. And as always, folks, until the next time, peace and love. Thank <laughs> you.